0: Of the hot take bs we bring you bets we bring you sports i don't care about bragging rights it just introduces more volatility into the equation i don't care about victory laps
1: stop it please stop it <laughs> throw the football into the floor
0: the betql network presents your favorite handicapper's favorite handicapper Ken Barkley. If I have an opinion, I'm just going to go put money on that thing happening. And your host, Nick Costos.
1: Every single play of every single game impacts you in some way, shape, or form.
2: It's You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM.
1: Welcome into hour three. You better, you bet. Presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser filling in for Nick Costos alongside Ken Barkley here on a Friday. We are with you until six p.m. Eastern time on Stadium. Still two more hours of Ken and I on Sirius Channel One Hundred and Sixty, Sirius XM. 2:05, But if you want to watch us on Stadium, we'll be there for the next hour up until 6 o'clock Eastern time. We'll also be on the BetQL network for the next two hours, twitchtv slash BetQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. You can listen to us for free over on the Odyssey app. Time to take a little break from Lockatology and time to talk some NBA as we bring in our guide, Noops. You can follow him on X at underscore Noops, betting analyst for NBA and host of the Hoops with Noops podcast. Noops, always great to have you on, man. Uh, Good talking some NBA with you. Last time you were on with us, you were talking about how you feel that Denver is the best team in the NBA. They've won five in a row. They won the finals rematch last night against Miami. Do you feel even stronger about your opinion now that you think Denver is still the top team in the NBA with how we've seen them play here out of the All-Star break?
2: Yeah, I really do. Nikola Jokic continues to look great. Aaron Gordon is in fantastic form. Jamal Murray is playing well in peak moments. They're having some of those secondary guys really fill in. And there was something and I I can't remember who was on the Low Post podcast earlier this week talking about it. I think one of the reasons Denver doesn't pop out on the page, they just don't win by 25, 20, 25, 30 points. They don't have these huge, big, high-margin wins. They mostly kind of just suffocate you and win these games closely but they continue to win they continue to beat great teams and it does it looks like the best starting five to me it looks like the team that presents the most problems for every other team in the league I think the Nuggets should be favored to win the title
0: yeah and Jamal Murray obviously hurts his ankle in last night's game there went over Miami so like we kind of you know we something to monitor going forward. He's missed a little bit of time already this season, but I agree with you, Noobs. like if he's ends up being healthy for the playoffs and this is not a total non-issue, then, uh, then it's I, probably all systems go on them. I want st- to, I want to move to a, a fake betting market. Usually we actually about ask actual betting markets, like some bets that you can, you can, you can actually make. I'm sure like me, you watched Spurs thunder last night, at least part of it. And you're watching Wembenyama and Chet Holmgren play each other. I mean, like I, I had the numbers up before. It's just like completely preposterous. So Wembenyama finishes with 28. I mean, you have to with it's the best part about Wembenyama is normally you only have to read three stats, and with him you have to read five. It's like the stupidest thing. So Wembenyama 28, 13, 7, 2, and 5, which is like par for the course now, and like blocks Holmgren late in the game, and they're having a talk on the telecast about. You know, like, what is he going to be next year? What's he going to be in three years? What's he going to be in five years? If there was a two-way market, will Victor Wemanyama, like, win a most valuable player award during his career? Like, what would you, how would you price that? Like, what would you make the yes that Victor Wemanyama is going to win an MVP at some point before he's done?
2: It's a really fascinating question, and I'm starting to think about the answer. My first instinct is there's a minus in front of it. Now, I don't know if it's minus 150. I don't know if it's minus 200 or something in that range. But I think more often than not, we're going to see Victor Webanyama win a Most Valuable Player Award. San Antonio is a great organization. They've got some nice pieces around him. They are going to take the time. They're going to build this into a good team. At some point, this will be a winning team. They'll be a top three seed in the Western Conference. And again, Webanyama is going to do stuff Statistically, that we've never seen before. I saw a tweet earlier, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but if you look at basically totals of points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks for a month, he's the only player in NBA history to have as many points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals total in a month as he did in February. And it's just, it's something like, it's, it's just, it's going to shock people into this. He, if he is going to have a season where he looks like he averages twenty-five to thirty points, ten plus rebounds six, seven assists, three, four blocks, two, three steals. And they're going to have to give him one. And I'm not too worried about his body breaking down, any of the things like that. I think we're going to have, you know, at least 15 solid years in Webb and Yaman. I think one of those times he ends up being MVP.
1: Noops, I was on another one of the shows on the network, BetMGM Tonight, and they posed this question. And since we're on this topic of Yama, I'll ask it to you because I think it's fascinating. If you can't choose Jokic or Giannis and you had to pick a player in the NBA today that you would build your franchise around for the next, like, you know, seven, eight years, would he be your pick? Would you take SGA? Would you take Anthony Edwards? Like, who would be your guy that you would build your team if you couldn't choose Giannis Giannis or Jokic?
2: I think it's a conversation between Victor Webinyama, Luka Doncic, and probably Sheikh Gildress Alexander, maybe Anthony Edwards. I think it really, for me, does come down to Webanyama and Luka Doncic at this point. Um, we know Doncic is already incredible. We know what he's capable of doing. Has not been able to succeed at the post-season, in the postseason yet. I think Webinyama, if I'm starting my team, though, is the pick. He is... He has the ceiling. He has the youth. From a salary cap standpoint, his contract isn't really that big yet. You're going to have the longest run with him. Again, I'm expecting 15 years of Webb and Yama. I think that's kind of where Luka is in his career, somewhere in that range as well. So I think it's the more interesting choice. I think Webb and Yama is the harder player to find. Not that Luca is not a hard player to find, just maybe a little less of a unicorn. You,
0: know, you don't want to build around Joel Embiid? You don't want to build around him? You wanna do that anymore? Maybe not maybe not, not anymore.
2: anymore.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, hey, he's coming back at some point. That's not, that was that wasn't I don't know if it was an optimistic update, but it was an update. It was like I'm still here and everything's good. Also, I have no <laughs> idea when I'm coming back to play for the Sixers. And it may not be this season. Uh, you know, we'll just see. Uh let's talk about actual MVP for this year, noobs. We, we mentioned like Luca and, and Jokic and Giannis and all the kind of like key players SGA PJ asked you about. Um, the market for this award hasn't really changed a lot recently. It basically changed when Embiid became ineligible, and then it changed a little bit going into the All-Star break. And then that's kind of been it so far. And it's this one, two, three of candidates that are just the price is the same every, like almost no matter what they do at this point, the price just seems to kind of be the same. Jokic is a minus price at MGM 135. Like it's going to be a framework. He's about the same everywhere else. SGA is a little more than two to one everywhere. And Luca is like four to one, five to one everywhere. And this is what it's been for like two weeks now. Do you agree with that? Have you been thinking about betting into this market? Like what can change for you? Where are you at with MVP right now?
2: I think, in general, this should be pretty steady. I think last night's loss for Oklahoma City does ding SGA quite a bit. If you start to look at their schedule, that now makes things a lot more difficult for the Thunder to be the number one seed in the Western Conference. They can still be number two. They can still finish close to Minnesota with a really good record. But I think a big part of SGA winning MVP is getting that team to a top two seed in the West. And, again, losing that game against San Antonio, I think, is going to be really impactful here as we go through the finish. Jokic continues to play great. He has found ways to put up eye-popping stats. He's back to grabbing highlights and reminding everybody that he's the best player. I think he deserves to be favored. I just don't see Luka Doncic winning it. I could see him finishing second, getting some first-place votes even, but unless he can find a way to push Dallas up to the five seed, somewhere in that range, it's just not going to happen. So. I think we're down to a three-man race, really, and I think the way it's priced right now makes sense. Again, unless the Thunder can rip off a couple more wins in a row here and somehow get up to the top seed.
1: Noops, you talk about OKC. Do you think if they get the number one seed, like they're going to win some kind of award? You talk about SGA and MVP. I know Chet's a long shot for Rookie of the Year. They obviously right now have the favorite for Coach of the Year. If they get the one seed, do you think that they're going to at least win something in the awards market?
2: Yeah, I do. I think the one seed in the West completely locks up Dagnall as coach of the year. Uh, It was a team that was expected to be good, but not the best team in the Western Conference. Um, We'll see how Minnesota finishes. I think that'll help Finch out, obviously. But like you said, if they get to the one seed, that means Minnesota didn't. I think Dagnall is all but a complete lock, basically, to be coach of the year at this point. And I think it does help SGA, but I don't think it, it guarantees him anything. It just keeps him in conversation, and it keeps him close to Jokic, who I still think is likely to win
0: noops we've talked a lot the last few days about six man of the year on this show maybe too much honestly for like what the what the actual award is like we've talked about it probably more than the voters think about it to be honest but it just strikes me as this really really fun betting market because nobody really likes the favorite malik monk of the kings is the favorite to win six man of the year right now everyone's like Eh, I'm not sure, or like, no way I want to bet somebody else. But there's nobody out there being like, nope, it's him. It's Malik Monk. Like, I feel great about this. And everyone is on a different player. No one agrees on who like the second choice should be. The prices have been fluctuating wildly. Karis Lavert is now the second choice in the market. It was Tim Hardaway Jr. of the Mavs for a while. Norman Powell got bet a lot. Nas Reed of the Timberwolves got bet a lot. Nick Nick has become like Mister Bobby Portis on this show. Bet him a hundred to one, and his <laughs> prices started dropping as he's played better recently. So it feels it feels wide open. Do you think it's wide open, or are are we all like missing the plot here? And it is going to be Malik Monk.
2: I think it is pretty wide open. I think this, again, mirrors what we're looking at in most improved player. Now, Maxi is a better candidate for most improved player than Malik Monk is for six man of the year, but they are the clear leading choices, I think, and neither one of them is really an appealing choice at this point. Now, you look at the six man of the year market, Malik Monk, again, minus 125 from our friends over at BetMGM. You've got Karis Laverta at plus 400, Nasrita plus 700, Hardaway at plus 750, and Norman Powell plus 800. I think that is really the whole list. With all due respect to Mr. Costos, Bobby Portis is not winning sixth man of the year unless something no. very bizarre happens here Can't over the win. last 20-some games. But I think it's Monk. I think Norman Powell has a little bit of a chance here. But like you said, there's just there's no excitement from voters here to vote for anyone. So it's hard to pick anyone. You can pick Nitz basically with anybody up and down this board. Again, LaVert, Reed, and kind of Powell are, I think, are the three guys that are going to get some votes. and could take this away from Monk, who is on a Kings team that might not have enough wins, really, to garner the attention for this. I think that's really the biggest mistake here of having Monk at the price he is. It's not a good price on Monk, but at the same time, I don't really love the price on anybody else.
1: So, Noobs, back to the team market. I know, obviously, you're high on the Nuggets. Any interest in the Warriors, though, with how they're playing as of late, winning 10 of their last 12? They're 16-1 to to win the West. Would you buy in at all on the Warriors, knowing that they're going to probably have to play in the play tournament?
2: optimistic about the Warriors come postseason but I'm not interested in betting in them right now I think as you mentioned they're in the play-in tournament that complicates things it looks like they're going to be in a position where they're going to have to win two games in that play-in tournament to go forward a game against the Lakers and then a game against the Mavericks maybe the Pelicans maybe the Kings we'll see how those things kind of shake out there but that is a tough scenario where when I start to layer the probability of that on top of the probability of what it's going to look like having to win a couple of series here in the Western Conference to even get to the Western Conference finals. I just don't think there's any value in the market. That said, if they can get through those play-in games and they're in the first round against a team like Oklahoma City, I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup and you're going to have a young team with an opportunity and more talent than the Warriors to beat them. But will they blink? Will they get nervous and kind of their first big moment there? So that's when I'm going to start to be interested in the Warriors. But for now, I just I don't love any of these prices given how complicated things are.
0: I mean, it's so interesting, like you really could have a setup. It's almost the most likely way this is going to play out now is you're going to have Curry and LeBron come out of the play-in and be the 7 and the 8, and like these known quantities that people love, and they're going to play Minnesota and Oklahoma City in the first round, and like people are going to like the 7 and the 8 in that matchup like they just are because of playoff history and pedigree not even that those teams are going to win just like the betting markets for those series are going to be great like like small prices yeah. for a 1-8 and a 2-7 you just never see that uh so that'll be really interesting hopefully we'll talk to you about that when we get to the playoffs we have like a minute left noobs maybe about 90 seconds yeah a ton of games tonight luca's playing in boston which like i'm really excited to watch i feel like MV. I feel like we're gonna learn a lot awards wise title wise maybe something can ha- can happen something can pop in that game do you have a lot of bets you like tonight here in about a minute
2: It's a pretty tough slate overall. There's a couple bets I I sort of got close to. I was close to the Pistons, passed on that. Close to the Raptors, kind of passed on that. I, of course, am going to bet the absolute worst game on the slate. This might be the worst game of the entire year. The Portland Trailblazers are playing the Memphis Grizzlies, a game involving several players that, guys, I didn't learn about until today. There were several names that I read on the rosters that I had never seen before. I think this game is going to be an absolute mess. The total is 207.5, the lowest total of the year, by a couple points. And I just don't think that's low enough. I think this should be closer to 202, 201. Both of these teams, although you do have the dynamic of bench players and guys who normally don't get minutes maybe pushing to try to get opportunities to fill some stats to get attention for getting playing time next year, that's not the way these teams go. They play slow. It's a really gritty defense set up for both teams. I expect this game to be ugly. Don't watch it, but bet the under and rebound props. Basically, every player go over their rebound props. I think Santi Aldama is probably the best (laughs) number on the board right now, but rebounding overs, play the under in the game. Don't watch it. Just check the box score when it's done.
1: Awesome. He's the best. Alex Christensen, a.k.a. Noops. You can follow him on X, at underscore noops, betting analyst, bet US NBA, and host of the Hoops with Noops podcast noobs always great talking to you man appreciate it
2: my pleasure guys best of luck have a great weekend you as well great stuff re- there re- rebound, overs. I guess,
0: rebound here's, overs here's, here's, I here's a that. game here's a game for you no scoring and a ton of misses and someone has to catch the misses <laughs> here's, here's a handicap for you and i haven't heard of the players involved sounds sounds delightful. That. That sounds really good
1: Ken, we brought up good memories, and we were talking about UAB and Iowa State. It sounds like we might get the NBA version tonight. If you want to uh, watch that back <laughs> yeah. again,
0: <laughs> yeah, and George Nia, yeah, he's 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 looking great now. Huh? Yeah, George Nia, that's
1: right. Maybe bet under, maybe ton of rebound props, great stuff there. Talking locketology, continuing that, we come back. You better, you bet. PJ Glasser, Ken Barkley.
2: We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. MGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network.
1: PJ Glasser filling in for Nick Costos alongside Ken Barkley here on a Friday. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Just had our guy Noops on talking some NBA. Make sure you go check out the You Better You Bet podcast at the end of the show. We're going to continue locketology here. On you better, you bet. A reminder that we're with you on Stadium until 6 o'clock Eastern time. So the next two segments we will be with you for the rest of the show up until 7 o'clock Eastern time on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, twitch.tv slash BeckQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. And you can listen to us for free on the Odyssey app. Ken, let's get back to our locketology Bracket D-Gen Corner. A really good one. Again, we'll remind everybody... Of this region, a lot of big-time powerhouse names. Purdue is the one seed in this region. They take on Fairfield in the 116. TCU-Boise State, 8-9 matchup. Kentucky is the 5 seed, favored by 6.5 against Princeton, the 12. Creighton-App State, the 4-13. St. Mary's the 6 seed against Seton Hall and Wake Forest in the 6-11. Iowa State, the 3 against Louisiana Tech, the 14. Utah State, the 7 against Florida Atlantic, the 10 and North Carolina, the two seed, up against Oakland, the 15. All right, lots lot to talk about in this region, Ken. Um, we talked about Purdue a ton last time. We'll touch on them in a little bit. Is there anywhere that you kind of wanted to start in this region when you were kind of developing this bracket? Is there something that that stood out to you?
0: Yeah, a couple things. things. Um, mean, we could talk about Kentucky. I- I've said a lot about them the last couple days. So I think if you want to kind of like throw your opinion in there as well, I- I'd love to hear it and what you make of them, like a team that's really polarizing, I think, in terms of how people feel about them. But before we do Kentucky, I want to ask you about there are two. I just saw these two names pop up and I was reminded of this. So Boise State is the nine in this region and Utah State is the seven. And for basically like the entire length of the ncaa tournament as long as it's been around up until last year the mountain west was one of the great fades in any sport in any situation in anything if you just bet against them in the ncaa tournament you're a billionaire they never win they never win in the first round they never win in the play-in they never win anything ever and they are frequently responsible for some pretty big upsets like that they're the victims of it happens all the time and then last year. You got a bunch of teams that make it, Well, one of them, San Diego State, I mean, they don't just go on a deep breath. They make they are a game away from winning the title. I mean, they play UConn in the final. Like, does that dispel? For, I guess the first question is, like, did you ever believe in that to begin with, that the Mountain West is, like, for whatever reason you want to bet against them? Did San Diego State change anything for you there? Like, how will you be treating? Because we got a bunch of Mountain West teams in this bracket that we've done so far. There will be a lot in the tournament. How are you going to treat those teams? Like, do you buy into that stuff?
1: Uh, I think that the mountain West is just like any conference. I would compare it to the big 10 and kind of what we've seen the last four or five years, where I think San Diego state's your Michigan state. That's the one team that you can kind of trust. I think that's the team that's consistently built the best for March, but even until last year, Ken, like, it's not like San Diego state was this perennial elite eight final four team, you know? So I don't even know if you can really trust San Diego state this season, but no, certainly the Mountain West. I mean, especially teams like Boise, Utah State, um, Nevada. You know, these teams, I don't have really any interest in in backing at all. I think San Diego State, New Mexico, and possibly Colorado State with the right draw could be teams that I would back. Boise and Utah State, though, I, I think are two teams that, I mean, unless I just like their matchup or, or two teams, I'm probably going to fade. I'm glad you brought up Utah State. What do you do in the tournament when you get matchups like this, where it's a 7-10, you know the world is going to be on Florida Atlantic because what they <laughs> did last year,
0: right? Sure. When the game's did you like under my point there? Did you like my number yeah. there, by the way? I thought I came two up with and a good a half. Florida yeah. Atlantic favored, the 10 favored by 2.5, yeah.
1: The 10 favored by two and a half, right? Isn't that something that the 10 seeds favored? Um, Now, look, certainly Florida Atlantic could win, and they could not cover the spread. Funny enough, they did that last year against Memphis, so it could certainly happen again. But what would you do in a game like this? I feel like in the regular season, betting splits mean a lot more than they do in postseason when the handle is just obviously way bigger and the first two rounds of March Madness being the biggest bet sporting event on the planet. Does that not matter as much as to you? Because I'm a contrarian better, Ken. And like, just the way I'm wired, I see a game like this. And even though I think Florida Atlantic's better, even though I think they're they're certain, I, even though I would probably pick them to win the game, that necessarily doesn't mean they would cover the spread. I also think back to what we were talking about earlier, where potentially when the season ends, they could be one of those teams with a top 10 offense and uh, you know a defense of 100 or worse, does that sway maybe how you bet games in the first round when you look at a game and you know it's going to be so heavily bet one sided?
0: I think uh, it does matter because I think probably people heard that question. I think some people are like, yeah, he's right, and then other people are like, the betting splits don't matter at all, and who everyone's on doesn't matter at all. And they're like, the way I would like to measure it though is like, what is the price? And how does it change? Because this would strike me as a game where, like, I agree with you, but I would want to see that reflected in like price changing. So let's say, let's say like we're going to spend like an entire segment on Florida Atlantic, Utah State, but for good reason. Um, let's FAU's definitely going to open a favorite if they play. There's like oh, no yeah. way they won't open a favorite. It's just how big. Oh yeah. And I think the question in this game is like, you know, like if if a if a baseline number for this game is something like FAU less than a possession one and a half two two and a half something like that and this gets and this opens in that range because it almost certainly will if the, if that happened today and then we see a lot of interest in Florida to your point see a lot of interest in Florida Atlantic see this number three three and a half like that which we see there are usually a couple eight nines or seven tens every year where like the way the market is shaped is really lopsided line movement wise doesn't have to be like money but just how the line moves, really lopsided toward one side of a 7-10 or an 8-9. And I don't mind being contrarian in those situations. These are probably very even teams. And like the assumption that one is just going to railroad the other one and needs to be a really big favorite. I agree with you. I do like playing against, for me, it's just, I have to know what the price is. Like if it's FAU one and a half and everyone's betting FAU, and and I think the number is probably about right, then I'm not interested just because everyone's on it. But if everyone's on it and I get that price discrepancy, like we start to see that creep out and creep out and it's like, okay, everyone's on FAU and now I can get Utah State three and a half in a game. Because to your point, like this isn't last year's FAU team, at least not yet. It can, There's still time for it mm. to look a lot more similar, but their metric profile is not the same and it's pretty scary uh, even as a team that could like repeat and make the Final Four, they're, they're less likely to make the Final Four this team than last year's team, just from a metric standpoint. And people could be like, well, who saw them coming last year? You could never have predicted that. I I wrote, like, a giant write-up last year before the tournament. We did shows going into the tournament where I was like, here are all the teams that qualify statistically to win the region. And they were always – there were only, like, six, and they were one of them. So, like, we we didn't see it coming that they were the one that was going to win, but they absolutely were part of our conversation before the tournament. And this year's team wouldn't be part of the conversation. They wouldn't even be – I wouldn't even think of them as a region winner the way they look right now. So it will be an interesting – whoever they draw – Maybe Utah State's a bad example because they're a Mountain West team. I don't think a lot of people like Utah State because they play in the Mountain West, but whoever they draw, because they could draw, you know, Florida or something. They could draw like some team that's like in a really fun game, in an interstate game. It's like they could draw some cool stuff, right? They could draw, you know, like I'm trying to think of like who the other sevens are. They could draw, they could draw Texas Tech, right? They could draw like a power conference name team and how does the market form around those games when everyone's going to know like well that's the team that made the final four last year and it's all the same players and it's you know it's just it's i think there will be that want to bet on them at a small price i just if i was going to be contrarian i'd want to see it move i want to see it move like i wouldn't want to just be like well it's pick and everyone's on this so i'm on it anyway so i agree with you i just i would need to know kind of what the market was but they'll be one of the most interesting first round teams because every i agree with you that everyone's first thought will be Well, that's the team that made the Final Four last year, and everybody's back. So, like, let's run it back. Not the same team statistically, not the same team, just in terms of how they played so far.
1: Completely agree with you. Man, that FAU-Florida game, if that happens, a 7-10. Let's just rig that.
0: Can we just rig that one up? I don't think they played in non-conference. I could be wrong. Usually the Florida schools don't all play each other, but um, I, I mean, would love to... Yeah, just those are always – you know, those are the kind of things where, like, when it pops up on Selection Sunday, you just go, really, nobody on the committee was like, hey, let's do this because it'll be really funny. Let's, like, put these teams against other. <laughs> like, they are, like, there's definitely a couple of games that fit that description every time. It's not all just travel yeah. and sites and, like, what fits. Like, really, they don't want to do that. They don't want to put that together. It's, like, a really cool – That's a cool game. you could It's like Auburn and Samford, the game that you were talking about the last couple of weeks. Like, like, let's have them play. Why would we put in another 13? That's way less fun. And it works, exactly. like the math works, like just have them play each other. So yeah, that's that's kind of my thought there. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I want to touch
1: on this Kentucky-Princeton game. I know you've given a ton of thoughts on Kentucky. You were so right when we were doing this a couple weeks ago when you kind of pointed at Kentucky as like this team that's going to get hot and everybody in the media is gonna love them and they're gonna and they're gonna back this team. They're gonna be this year's Duke from last year. Keegan Murray's Iowa team the year before. Like that is what Kentucky is. And again, Ken, like they're one of those teams. They're great on offense, great offensive team. They're 86th in defense, according to Ken Palm. And, you know, they got a tough schedule here down the stretch. They still got to play Tennessee um, down the stretch. I believe that maybe they play – they will play one of the other good teams, I think, maybe Florida-Auburn down the stretch as well. Obviously going to have to play some good teams in the SEC tournament. Before we get into the Kentucky-Princeton matchup, when you look at a team like Kentucky – is that a team that you have your eye on in the SEC tournament? Because you talk about them getting hot down the stretch and being that team that everybody loves. Usually that team does really well in their conference tournament. It, when you start like thinking about Kentucky, like, are you going to feed off of that until we get to the NCAA tournament? And would that be a team that you would? Because that's what I start to think about now too. Is like, Who are the teams that I could see right now getting hot over the final couple of weeks? winning their conference tournament and then being one of those teams that have an early exit in the NCAA tournament. And I think like Kentucky could be one of those teams, Tennessee certainly going to be favored to win the sec tournament after that. I mean, we'll see how Bama looks against Tennessee tomorrow. Auburn's going to be up there. I mean, certainly Auburn, Tennessee, Bama, Kentucky are going to be in the top four. I would think Kentucky is the second best odds, but I don't know. Is that how you start thinking too? Like these teams that you think could get hot down the stretch, maybe betting them in conference tournaments as well?
0: Yeah. Like uh, I think, so one thing I've never measured before that I think would be smart and I should probably do it this year maybe is I, I say all the time on the show, like you don't want to be the hot team late and then go into the ncaa tournament you'll be overvalued people will like you and you're probably worse than what you showed in the final month it's probably more about what you were over the balance of the season people have heard me say that all the time the thing i don't know is if momentum real to your point if momentum does really carry into the conference tournament which obviously precedes the ncaa tournaments before it and Maybe like you know, to your point, I'm actually thinking about some of the hot teams right now. Even like entering those conference tournaments, man, like they blitz sometimes. Like they really, they yeah. go in and they just win a bunch of games. To your point, I'd be, I should actually run that and just see if like conference tournament winners kill it the final month. Uh, I I tell you what, on Monday, you and I are going to host the show again on Monday next week. I will have mm-hmm. that for you on Monday, which I think will be really interesting. I think that's yeah. a great question, but I, all I can speak to in the interim is just like the NCAA tournament part of it. And I, I tried to open up just to, you mentioned a couple historical examples, like, you know, teams that, uh, that like got upset. And, and I'm I'm like looking at a list right now. I'm trying to like filter it and like, see, yeah, like some of the teams where it's like, oh, who like, who got eliminated early? And you just, you go through and you're like, oh, like, oh man, like the, the hot team late is just, it's just like a rough draw every single time. It's honestly, whoever like your two or three hottest teams are, it's not that like every year they all flame out, but like almost every year they all flame out, or like really early in the uh, in the tournament they all flame out. I'll put together like a more comprehensive list, you know. To, and and you're what you're looking for is because uh, and I'll I'll do this too the uh, the small school you know, St. Peter's, UMBC, whatever, they're gonna be hot in the final month because they had to win their conference tournament to get in. So like every small school is gonna be hot in the final month. It's like not a it's like a prerequisite to making the tournament if you're a small school, you have to be hot in the final month. Otherwise you're not there. Like so it's so you can't do that with those teams, like the 16s, the 15s, they're all gonna be hot going in. They had to be. They had no choice. But like the big schools, you're like two, three, four, five seeds that fit that description. Like that's, this is the dynamic that I'm talking about where they were kind of whatever in non-conference, they were whatever in January. And then there's something clicks in the second part of conference play. And they play really like, that's the team just to like draw a distinction there. And yeah, that's, it's, it's claimed a lot of victims over the year, I guess would be the right way to put it. So um, Kentucky's definitely that team, but your conference tournament points. So I, I'll make a note of it. People listen to the show Monday, People can send me tweets if they want. Hey, reminder, you were gonna you were gonna look this up for PJ. Is uh is Kentucky then gonna be a great bet in the SEC tournament because they're the hot team right now? Is that what's gonna yeah. make them a good bet? And there there are a couple teams. The other team that could be the hot team late uh, is in this if region. You just go by February 15th. Well, yeah, Creighton. Creighton is definitely yes. the other team that could be the hot yep. team late. No question.
1: Yep. That that was what I was gonna say. I'm like, do we bet Creighton in the Big East tournament? Maybe UConn yeah. lost last year. Marquette won it. A lot of people like them, they lose in the round of 32. Really interesting region. We'll continue talking about it. Here, You Better, You Bet, presented by BetMGM, P.J. Glasser, Ken Barton.
2: We'll be right back with You Better, You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better, You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
1: Welcome back, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. P.J. Glasser, Ken Barkley, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. We're on Stadium. You can watch us on uh, on Stadium, watchstadium.com. We're with you up until 6 o'clock Eastern time, so this is the final segment. We're with you until 7 o'clock Eastern on the show. You can watch us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, or you can listen and watch on the BetQL network. Twitch.tv slash backql, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, and can listen for free on the Odyssey app. We're going to continue going through locketology here on You Better. You bet, Ken, you said at commercial break, you had a uh, a fun question or uh that you wanted to pose or, or something that you yeah. found during the break.
0: Uh some yeah, we were so we were talking before the break. I just think this stuff's so interesting. I always think like nostalgia and history in the NCAA tournament are almost like more fun than projecting it. We're like, we're doing the bracket and that's like, Oh, remember that time when like that thing happened and everybody's like, Oh yeah. Like I remember that game. That was so awesome. So I, I brought this up in the, in the end of last segment, but it just didn't load in time. I was like trying to get the filter, right? Um, we were talking about Kentucky and Creighton in this, this third region that we were just doing. And we'll do the fourth region, maybe next segment and, and, uh, and make sure we get to it. But like Kentucky and Creighton have the, the, the sort of what is it the distinction like but not the one that you would want (laughs) the infamous distinction of being like the hot teams right now that are playing really well currently in the final month of the season so uh if you use bart torvik's numbers and you filter before february 15th and now so sort of like who is playing well up to the final month of the season but who's playing really well in the final month of the season uh Kentucky and Creighton are the two teams that have improved the most among, like, the good teams. And there are some teams, Mm -hmm. like, way at the bottom that have improved a little bit more. Like, Nevada's improved. Like, it's just, these teams are, like, not relevant to the discussion. Uh, Dubious Honor, Mike writes, which is what I was going for. Creighton and Kentucky. And then Duke would be the team after them that's improved the most over the... And so I was just looking, and I was like, all right, like, what if I... Like, can I give a couple historical examples? So people are like, well, like, what are some other teams historically that fit this description? So I'll say like a, you know, like a top six or seven seed and they uh, they way outperform the final month of the season, like two simple filters. That's like pretty easy. So like top six, seven seed. And they they do what good way to think about it. They do what Kentucky is doing right now. They do what Creighton's doing right now. How do they usually how do those teams do? They do pretty good. How are they doing? Um, so I looked at last year. We'll do that one first. Uh, Saint Mary's was a five. They uh, and and you're going to hear these. You're going to be like, well, but they got put with that team or they got seeded with that. Okay, great. And they lost. Next, <laughs> like like it's just again like like I'm not we're not in the excuse making business. It's about who's going to go deep in the NCAA tournament. Saint Mary's was really like the hottest top five seed um, in terms of just how much they improved, not where they got to, not how high they got, but where kind of like how much they improved, and they got bounced by UConn in the second round of the tournament they were out before the end of the first weekend. Um, Iowa was white hot entering the NCAA tournament last year, playing like a top three team in the country. They lost in the first round. Uh, Tennessee played like the second best team in the country. They lost in the second round. (laughs) So so it's just like there's a a lot of teams where you kind of go through and you're like, wait a minute. Like these are... These are, uh, or sorry, this was two years ago. I'm looking at two years ago. That's my fault. I was like, Iowa wasn't the hottest team. That was the Keegan-Murray-Iowa team a couple of years yes. ago. Keegan-Murray and Iowa were one of the hottest teams in the tournament. I said it wrong. And they lost, uh, they lost to Richmond in the first round. St. Mary's lost in the second round. All the losses are still true. Tennessee lost in the second round of the tournament a couple of years ago. So this is two years ago. Uh, last year, the two hottest teams entering the tournament were Duke and Kentucky. Those were the two teams that like everybody wanted. They got seated together in the same region, and uh, and they were both out before the second weekend of the tournament. Duke lost to Tennessee in the second round, so I messed up a year there. But basically, the idea is, and like that's just the last two years. In like these these hot teams late, like it's it's not good, and there aren't there aren't a lot of like yeah, but what about that team? There, those teams don't really exist. Like Michigan when they made the title game against Villanova, so it was I like six years ago? um they're like and this was true with beeline teams historic john beeline was the coach of michigan this was true with his teams historically they kind of always got hot in the final month like every single year and then and then would play well in the tournament and that's why he was like a great coach for them and and made a final uh and, and you know against villanova obviously so like they yeah they did that but like everybody else so like again like i'm just looking and i go and you probably uh, remember the year where Purdue. This is the Matt Painter. This is the Matt Painter special where Purdue lost to North Texas in the four oh, thirteen. Yeah. You probably remember that game, right? Yeah. So um, they were uh, they by just number of spots they improved. They were the thirty fourth best team prior to February fifteenth. They were the eleventh best team in the final month. They improved more than almost any team in the country. See ya. uh Kansas that year played like a top ten team in the final month, and they they got bet against insanely in their first round game they played northeastern i think i they had a 413 and everybody was on northeastern and kansas throttled them and i think everybody was like oh maybe we were wrong like kansas is actually good and then kansas played auburn i think in the second round and got like absolutely run off the court yes (laughs) like like, would you remember obviously yes so it just Right, so they they were those two were hot. Not neither again a three seed a four seed. Neither made it out of the first weekend. The last one from that year, Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State, who were like again like a big like player like oh Cade four seed like maybe win the region like yep and like not so much when they lose to was that the Oregon State team is that who beat them it who was beat them?
2: it was yeah, yeah. and uh, lost that Oregon
0: State so, team so yeah, a three a four and a four nobody makes it out of the first weekend like that's. That's rough. That's a tough that draw. <laughs> so so again, like we can do the teams and I apologize for messing up the, the last two years and I did them in the wrong order, but you hear the examples. I'm not cherry picking here. It's like, literally you go down the list. Who's the first top seven seed you get to who's the next one. Who's the next one. That's where, that's what you get. Those are the teams that you get there. And, uh, and so again, if you like Kentucky, there's a lot of reasons to like them. They're super talented. They're really fun to watch. They play really entertaining games. If you like crazy, I get it. Creighton's awesome. Like, I watched a couple games of them. They're really good. I totally get it. Um, Just understand that those two teams are currently on track to be part of a really, 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 really dubious list when we get to the NCAA tournament of, like, they might be flame-out candidates. And you got to just kind of come to grips with that despite what your eyes are telling you when you watch the games.
1: I, there's no question I'm going to have a Creighton to win the Big East tournament ticket in my hand. Like there's, just I got to look at that right? for you.
0: I got to tell you if that's a Man. thing or not. I'll be, maybe I'll do February 1st. Like I'll do the month leading up to the conference tournament instead of, because if I do February 15th, there's like two weeks. It's like, oh, well you played right. really well that one Wednesday night. So now you're going to win your conference tournament. Like there's not a lot of games there. Maybe do February. How do you play in February versus conference tournament? That's like a pretty yeah. cool. I might actually look at that. That's actually pretty awesome. Uh, I might actually look at <laughs>
1: The two things I know, too, regarding the conference tournament that are always great indicators of the NCAA tournament is I don't remember how long it's spanning back, but like no national championship team since whatever has lost before the semifinal round in their tournament, right? So, like, if you're in a league where you get, like, the 1-8, you know, if you're in a Big Ten, SEC, whatever it may be, you're playing in that 1-8 game in the quarterfinals, like, no team has ever lost in that round and won the national championship in, like, a long time, I think. And then there's, like, a great stat, Ken, of teams who win the national championship, like, don't win their conference tournament. Like, it happens sometimes, but it's like 50-50. It's a... Yeah. Is it, is it that much? Oh, I thought it was a lot higher. That was a lot harder.
0: Uh, uh... I, I have it, so it's uh, here. Let me do it by year. This is because I I was always curious about this stuff too. Oh, I don't mm-hmm. have UConn last. Did you Did UConn win their conference tournament last year? They did not.
1: Know. No Marquette did. Okay. Marquette did. So they.
0: Yeah. So uh, oh, actually, well, <laughs> recently it's it's you don't win, but like if you go back, it's kind of like if you do it in ten year chunks. So like the last ten years, three teams won their conference tournament that won the national Maybe championship the last 10 yeah. but then if you go the okay. previous 10 it's like six so it's like okay again like you're kind of but i think the way to frame that for people is kind of what we're saying about the february like the last month thing just don't get too wrapped up in what what you saw like Right. You know, George and Patrick Ewing made that crazy run, what was that, three, four years ago in the Big East tournament, won all those games, and ended up making the NCAA terrible team, made the NCAA tournament. They got in the 12-5 against Colorado. I think people were kind of like, no, George, I just saw them. They were they were won the Big East like pretty good. It's like yep. nah, like that's not it's almost like you just it's gotta be a reset button. Whenever you get to the first day of the NCAA tournament, it's gotta be like reset. And you go back to the entire body of work again. And I would put more of an emphasis on non-conference play than conference play too. But you got to – you can't – there's no recency. There's no hot team. It's like everybody's got a bunch of days off and they're and they're planning for their next opponent. And you're in Boise, Idaho in a gym you've never played in. And here we go. And you just play the games. So it's it's got to be – you have to hard reset your brain to be like – Not how did I just feel about this team when I was at Madison Square Garden watching them or wherever or Nashville or wherever they play the SEC tournament now uh, or in Vegas. Like it's got to be how like how have they been the whole year and you want someone balanced and complete and you don't want somebody that's just been really good for a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, well said. I will say when looking at this region, Ken, I think this is the region where we're going to get the most chaos every year in the tournament. We always have we always have a region like this. And I feel like the last three years especially, it's like, yeah, Purdue being the one seed obviously helps. It's these regions where – see, the first two regions we went through, right? I bet a lot of people also looked at those regions, and there were probably like two or three teams that like a majority of people will have those teams in their Final Four, right? There's one region every year where you look at it, and there are like six or seven teams that people could have in the final four, right? People are gonna have Purdue, people are gonna have Kentucky, Creighton, Iowa State, North Carolina. There'll be some Florida Atlantic people who think they can go back to back. When that when we get this kind of region, I just feel like personally, this is where we get chaos. My team that I would keep that I would keep an eye out for in this region actually is TCU. And I know you brought up Jamie Dixon earlier, and he's a guy that you know has not had much success in the tournament. I like their team this year. Their backcourt, Jameer Nelson Jr. and Avery Anderson. Those are guys who transferred into the program, seniors. Five of their top seven players are like seniors. They have nothing but upperclassmen. What I love about TCU, they play to the level of their competition, and I I think it could be an early exit for Purdue. I cannot wait to bet against Princeton, against Kentucky. I pray this is the matchup. Give me a team. That is disciplined like Princeton that runs great offensive sets against that Kentucky defense that won't beat themselves and will let Kentucky lose that game all by themselves. I'll <laughs> sign up for it. Uh, that's just, we oh, just man. know how that game No, oh, That would be the worst matchup for them. Iowa State, North Carolina at the bottom half of that region would uh, would be interesting too. Some closing thoughts there. Ken will give his pick in that region. And then we'll move on to our final region, Moron Island. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM Locketology on a Friday.